This is the official Caps Shirt Podcast, proudly a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. What's going on, Caps fans? It's me, the Hockey Troll, and I'm back at you with another Monday episode. We're going to be talking a lot of league news. We've got some former Caps players making the news, um, some NHL initiatives for diversity, equity, and inclusion, which are pretty cool. Um, and of course, we'll be talking about your very own Washington Capitals, as we generally do on this Monday. If you didn't catch it, last Thursday, we had Samantha Pell on. Um, she was awesome to talk to. It wasn't super hockey focused. I mean, definitely hockey was obviously uh, mixed in, but definitely got to know her as a person a little bit more. So check it out. Uh, it was about an hour long. It was a really good interview. So there's that. This Thursday, we're actually going to have the Tip of the Iceberg podcast on there now with Fan Nation, I believe it is. I, sorry if I'm messing that up, boys. But it's um, a Sports Illustrated subsidiary. They're doing big things over there. So, of course, we, uh, we're we going to be talking shit against each other for sure uh, when it comes to the Penguins versus Caps and getting their vibe on the Metro. If you're an OG, you know that this is the format. If you're brand new, thanks. Uh, thanks for checking us out, and I hope you like it. Let's uh, pop some tabs and get right into it then. One, two, three. All right, Caps fans. Some pretty uh, shitty news just from some ex-Caps players uh, that we have that have been making somewhat of a headline. Jacob Verana placed uh, in the player's assistance program for an undisclosed reason. I haven't looked into it to see like what exactly is uh, the ailment there, you know, um, so I don't really want to speculate too much, but it's definitely shocking, and I, and we hope that he's good. I think everybody hopes he's good. He's only played 39 games with Detroit since leaving uh, the Washington Capitals in a trade that returned Anthony Mantha to, to D.C., uh, but has 32 points and, you know, looked to be like a really big piece for Detroit moving forward. You know, they're going to be trying to turn around their organization pretty quickly and they're not doing a bad job of it. Uh, he missed the first 56 games last year with a shoulder injury sustained within the first 10 minutes of training camp that required surgery. So just super bad luck. Um, you know, I guess I will speculate a tiny bit. Uh, we've seen these type of long-term injuries can contribute to substance abuse problems. And generally that's why players go into this type of uh, program, but it could also be for mental health. It could be for a lot of other things. So, you know, again, I, that is unverified. That is purely speculation um, on my part. In any case though, we hope he is well and gets better and can come out the other end of this with, uh, you know, to basically continue an incredible career, a young career as well. So good luck, Jacob. Uh, we'll be we'll be covering this as, as it progresses. Um, also, ex-Caps news, uh, Kimney was waived by Seattle and it went through and his contract has been terminated. So brutal kind of roll the dice for him. Uh, after the cup win, he's, he, you know, we left DC, he's got injured, he's gotten, I mean, nothing has really panned out for this guy. So it really sucks to see that this may be the end for him. Um, but in either, in, in, in any case, you know, he is a Stanley cup champion, so it could be worse. Uh, and in, but good, good, uh, good luck to him on his future endeavors. Moving on to some more, just kind of hockey day to day stuff. 
Steven Samkos is on a heater, five-game goal streak. Uh, man, it's it's crazy to see how these older guys are still staying very relevant. Obviously, Crosby, Ovechkin, they're always going to be good. But, you know, Bergeron, uh, Krejci, like the, these, these guys are definitely not ready to hang them up. And it's showing by, uh, by this, especially Steve Stamkos, five game goal streak. He's still around and a very real threat in the NHL. Also just some positive news for the Montreal Canadians, their number one pick, uh, you're, uh, you're, uh, you're as Slefoski. Um, he was a surprise number one. I think Montreal fans had, uh, some other one, some other guy like slated for, for this pick and the Canadians kind of did a sneaky one. Um, this player was by no means like a outside the top three, but you know, um, definitely not. It was a surprise for them to take him and he's already buried his first goal against the Yotes on Thursday. So congratulations to him. We'll see how long he can keep it up, especially in a town like Montreal. Dan Vladar has impressed in Calgary and signed a two-year, $4.4 million contract extension that will kick in next season. He's had a really solid start of the season. I don't know if you've been watching. There's already been a battle of Alberta go down. Uh, Calgary ended up winning that one, I believe, and it, it's he was a really big part of that. So uh, congratulations to to him on that, on that uh, new contract extension. Something I found really interesting um, and is a little bit more kind of league-wide – all teams wide, if you will. Um, the NHL and all of its 32 teams released their first diversity and inclusion report that details the accelerated efforts by the league and its teams in recent years. Uh, it shows a lot of data about the NHL workforce at both the league and club levels. According to the executive summary of the report, there are seven dimensions that the NHL is following to build diversity and inclusion at every point where a player, fan, or employee might interact with the game, taking important steps to lay the foundation for progress. That was a quote. Um, I think this is awesome. Obviously, being a minority myself, it's great to see that, uh, you know, people are kind of coming around and, and obviously there's been a lot of talk about hockey culture and, and I think the NHL is really taking it seriously. Uh, of course, nothing's perfect. It's always a slow process. Changes, large amounts of change generally are. Uh, but I think this is definitely a step in the right direction. Just the other day, I tweeted that uh, that the NHL grew their female fan base the fastest out of all sports, all major sports. That's great. Love to see new faces in the uh, as hockey fans. So I'm loving this. But back to the report, the highlights of the report, and there's several, um, include that the NHL has formed an inclusion steering committee in 2019, and 27 teams either have one as well or are following suit. 22 teams have launched or are in the process of launching a mentor, fellowship, and hiring programs to develop uh, BIPOC and, and female talent of uh, uh, to work in ops in the front office. Highlighting some recent hires would be Mike Greer, an ex-cap and current GM of the, Sh- the Sharks. This is among seven other black employees who are in the C-level positions throughout the NHL. Florida Panthers Assistant General Manager Brett Peterson, Tampa Bay Lightning Chief Operating Officer Mark Pitts, Carolina Hurricanes General Counsel Nigel Wheeler, Pittsburgh Penguins Chief People Officer and General Counsel Tracy McCants-Lewis, Arizona Coyotes Executive VP Ticketing and Strategy, 
uh, of ticketing and strategy, Anthony Horton, Chicago Blackhawks general counsel, Marcus LeBeouf, uh, Philadelphia Flyers vice president of government and external affairs for Comcast Spectator, Joe Mead, Seattle Kraken senior vice president and general counsel for Climate Pledge Arena, he wanted to show me, and Kraken vice president strategy and business intelligence, Kendall Boyd Tyson. So, you know, people of color are definitely moving on up in this sport and love to see it. You know, diversity is something that makes this country great. And so we love to see, love to see some, some people of color and, and, uh, leadership positions across the NHL. And I think it's only going to get better from here and more. Um, six women have also been hired as assistant GM since January, Emily, um, Castangue and Cami Granado for the Vancouver Canucks, Megan Hunter for the Blackhawks, Dr. Haley Wickenheiser, Dr. Haley Wickenheiser, crazy, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Kate Madigan, New Jersey Devils, and Alexandria Mandrick, Mandricky for the Kraken. This accelerated pace is an outgrowth of the NHL's commitments to combat racism in society and hockey and to make the sport more inclusive and welcoming. In March, the NHL hired Jennifer Ekalemi as vice president for multicultural engagement and integration. Man, these titles are crazy. They're definitely a mouthful, uh, but they do a very specialized job. So, you know, we'll, t- we'll take it to accelerate culturally relevant marketing efforts and strengthen crossovers into off ice touch points like music, fashion, and food. 25 teams have, or will launch specific marketing campaigns aimed toward the BIPOC and the LGBTQ plus community, women, and, or, or people with disabilities, or have dedicated a specific portion of their marketing budgets towards future diversity and inclusion campaigns. 23 teams have or will enter new business partnership relationships with minority or woman-owned businesses, representing a growth of 14 teams, 44% growth since November 2020. Um, you know, that's all good. I mean, that means that business, money, the NHL is going to be spending on really putting up a good effort, not only with like people of color, but like, you know, at the end of the day, we're all people as well. So I think that it's a pretty common trope that the NHL has been god awful at marketing themselves throughout the years. This is only going to to do better. I mean, it's good to see that the NHL is taking a a real look at their marketing strategy and adding this wrinkle in. Um, and it seems to be a pretty big push for them as well. So it's it's awesome. Uh, to support league wide youth hockey programs as well, the NHL and player NHLPA. Uh, it, NHL Players Association, Association's Industry Growth Fund has distributed more than $135 million in the U.S. and Canada and is taking steps to help retain and develop uh, BIPOC and women's hockey participants. Some of these funds were directed towards low-cost introductory programs like Learn to Play in the United States and First Shift in Canada. The IGF made a three-year commitment in 2022 to support Hockey Equality, an initiative founded by Hockey Night in Canada. Analyst and retired NHL player Anthony Stewart to diversify youth hockey and lower barriers to inclusion at the grassroots level. I think anything to make this sport cheaper, uh, you know, for anyone is a good thing. Uh, it's it's tragic that I mean. Look, ice is expensive. If you don't live where the earth is frozen for the majority of the time, uh, ice hockey is an incredibly expensive sport. Making it more accessible is awesome because it is the greatest sport in the world. 
The report also provides a statistical snapshot of the composition of the league's full-time workforce, which is 83.6% white, 4.17% Asian, 3.74% black, 3.71% Hispanic, and 0.5% indigenous. Nearly 62% of the NHL and club level employees are men, almost 37% are women, and 1.34% list themselves as other or preferred not to respond to the survey. Those efforts include the NHL's endorsement of the Freedom to Vote Act, which would protect free and fair elections in the United States and address barriers that disproportionately affect BIPOC and disabled voters, a roundtable with the EPA to promote environmental action with special attention to the environmental justice and climate change's disparate, disparate impacts on BIPOC areas, and advocacy for the Willie O'Ree Congressional Gold Medal Act passed by the U.S. Congress and signed by President Biden to honor Willie O'Ree's trailblazing contributions to hockey and society is the NHL's first black player. NHL and the NHLP are working to revamp and relaunching Hockey is for Everyone, a grassroots youth hockey network of 26 affiliated organizations that have served more than 130,000 children since 1998. They're looking to turn this network into a broader partnership and expand it. The NHL's Fan Inclusion Committee will work with Sports Innovation Lab, co-founded by Hockey Hall of Famer Angela Ruggiero, to review and improve the in-arena experience and create a new fan code of conduct to prevent and report inappropriate behavior. The NHL has been uh, pretty transparent about all of this, and they say it's important. They also realize that there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, Overall, uh, I think this is a great thing. I, I just wanted to literally go by piece by piece to explain like the depths of this, because I think that a lot of times people hear this and it's just like, ah, they're going to like, I don't know, sponsor some black youth hockey league or something like that. Something that's kind of really base, but this looks not only like uh, pervasive amongst the league, but like they're really trying to do, uh, do it at the grassroots level, which is great. I mean, you know, honestly the, you know, any, the big thing for me is again, like, lowering costs for kids to play and, you know, getting as many different kids into the system as possible. You know, if you love the sport, you love it. I know how it grabbed me. Um, and obviously I was very lucky to have parents that could afford ice time and stuff. So, you know, I, I definitely can understand how expensive it is and and what a barrier it is to actually really being able to experience the sport. Additionally, I love that they're you know, I mean, they went as far as like loop in the EPA on this shit. It's crazy. Um, and, um, you know, the hockey for everyone as well. Uh, and then like the, the fan code of conduct. So, you know, no shitbag fans uh, saying racist stuff. And if they do, or, you know, also, you know, accosting, you know, women or anything really just being um, a dirt bag, uh, you know, hopefully there's some remedies to that. That's a, uh, it's definitely a, a big step, I think, uh, and I'm glad to see that not only money, but but actual effort and a lot of different people and organizations are involved in this. So, again, it's not perfect. I think the NHL has done their part. The study is a huge is is important because they've identified their areas of need and are are going to go about it. Like I said, not perfect yet, but a step in the right direction. All right, on to something a little lighter. The reverse retro jerseys are finally out. You can buy them on November 15th, and they're going to be 190 to 200 American. Um, you can get them at adidas.com, nhlshop.com, and they'll be more widely available by November 20th. I'm going to guess that a lot of these things are going to be sold out. 
I'm probably going to have to buy one. I'm not a jersey guy by any means. I'm, I have two jerseys, an Ovechkin jersey and a Beagle jersey, both in red. Uh, this black one is just really going to add to the uh, to the wardrobe for me, so I'm going to have to just bite the bullet and get one. Um, big question for me is do I get Backstrom or Wilson? I think I've narrowed it down to those two. I'm not sure which one um, I'll be getting. Probably no one new, you know, no Kempers, no Lindgrens, uh, probably not a Mantha, but I think uh, Backy and Wilson would, would be a nice addition to the collection, or Backy or Wilson. Um, there's a lot of debates on which one's the best, but obviously the Washington Capitals reverse retro is the best and the debate is over. I'm, I'm not going to hear any other any other arguments. Uh, I I like Seattle's. I hate to say that because it's like, you know, what are we reverse retroing like a year? Um, but it looks cool. Uh, the Sharks and the Yotes, I know were very popular. They're growing on me. Initially, I didn't really like the Yotes, but I just saw the leaked photo. And, um, you know, the burnt orange is, is cool, but I didn't know if I loved it on a jersey. I'm anxious to see what the kits look like with the socks and the shells. I hope they go really burnt orange, and, and that I think that would be awesome. It's not a color you typically see on the ice, so... Um, looking forward to that. Um, Vegas did not like theirs. <laughs> Just Vegas diagonally. And it glows in the dark. Woohoo. Columbus. Yeah, I'm out on them. The Kings in the Isles, though, I think they did really well. Throwback Fisherman is definitely clutch, even though at the time, I think it was a much maligned logo. I think I don't think it was ahead of its time, if you will, I think, uh, back in like the 90s when they had it. I thought the Ducks, the Sabres, and the Bruins were a bit plain, though they did give good treatment to each of those logos, which are pretty much timeless. Um, shout out to the Rangers. I like that. The full blue and the Lady Liberty, pretty good. Of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins did okay, I guess. Um, I hate that team, so I can't give them too much credit, but it is the Sudden Death RoboPen logo. Uh, the logo that we saw Jean-Claude Van Damme beat the shit out of, uh, Iceberg. So, you know, that's a fond memory in my book. <laughs> Let me know which ones you guys like the best. I'm not, uh, I obviously the, the caps is, is amazing. The Screaming Eagles back. So pumped to see that. Let's move on to some league, uh, more league news on the injury front. Um, some pretty big names out of the lineups for their respective teams. Uh, two of them right now. Landis Gog had his knee scoped. Uh, he's going to be out for 12 weeks. That's brutal for the Avs, though. They're pretty deep. I think they'll be all right. Uh, you know, you look at Landis Gog and he's had some injury woes, especially in the past few years. I wonder how long that's going to last. I don't know um, whether they move him or they, you know, uh, or if he retires, something like that. I mean, uh, Scoped knee isn't exactly a career-ending injury. He probably just had some stuff in there. Maybe took out some meniscus uh, or some some scar tissue. But twelve weeks is a long time to be out. So wishing him speedy recovery and see what what happens when he comes back. Another big name, Ekblad on LTIR for Florida with a lower body injury. I uh, don't know much about it yet, but he left the game against the Bruins and. Looks like he's going to be out long term. So luckily, the Caps have kind of dodged the bullet a little bit on some injuries, but obviously uh, Connor Brown was injured, and we'll talk about that uh, in our Washington wraparound. But first, 
Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again, and thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Obviously, we're betting for the Caps. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays, combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So let's get right into the Washington wraparound, folks, and we can talk some caps. All right. So we'll just start talking about the Monday game uh, versus... Uh, at versus Vancouver, the final score was a 6-4 win. Take the dub on that. This could have been Bruce Boudreaux's 600th career win. We deprived him of that. Obviously, the Boudreaux and Ovechkin relationship uh, is constantly talked about as Bruce was like his first coach in the NHL and was really just um, key into getting him to scoring a lot of goals and letting him, you know, run free. Uh, there, you know, I, I don't know if you remember, but there was a bit of a rocky breakup between these two, though they on the surface act like they're buddies. And I'm sure there is some sort of mutual respect there. I always wonder when they talk about Boudreaux and Ovi, I wonder if these two guys like hate each other in deep inside. And obviously, uh, if they did, Ovi got the, the upper hand of the uh, conflict, if you will, uh, the imaginary conflict that I'm obviously making up right now here on the fly. Uh, less than a minute in, he scores, boom. I mean, first of the season, Boudreaux was right. Ovi scores against his team. He likes to do it. At the end of the first, Pedersen got a fortunate bounce off the boards and over Kemper's stick for a gift of a goal. You know, I think that's just really a fluke play. I'm not I'm not sure I can blame anyone. Uh, I can't blame Kemper for that. It's just kind of a what-the-fuck moment. Welcome to Caps Hockey. The middle frame brought an early goal from Lynchman to the Stanley Cup, Lars Eller, within the first minute, and that's where the good news ends. The Caps got shelled this period, were dinged for three goals, making it four to two, so... You know, at this point, the Vancouver Canucks have a two-goal lead, and they're they're riding high. Period ends, and in the third, the Caps got a power play goal from Strom, finally netting his first goal with the Caps. Shortly after, J.C. buries like an insane no-angle beauty, short side. You know, that's a goal in any league. I love it. That was uh, it's great to see uh, John Carlson getting in the mix. Uh, I think that his <laughs> defensive woes have been apparent. Um, maybe he's trying to do too much. Maybe he's a little dinged up. Who knows? But that was a really good, uh, really good goal for him, and glad he could get it. Ovi assists uh, the go-ahead goal for Shiri, who's promoted the first line uh, in this game, and Kuzi gets the secondary assist, whose play was great on this on this scoring play. You know, this is all Kuznetsov just coming into the zone and doing weird stuff. You know, he's going uh, north south. Off the bat, turns on a dime, goes east-west, and then just kind of like an innocent pass over to Ovi, who's wide open, and then he's got Shiri break into the net. A really good misdirection play. 
that OV, uh, you know, really had a pretty open lane. Uh, good for all of these players to identify the play, but and and also to execute. But man, I think this is all started by Kuznetsov, and that's why you love him. Floodgates now open. Saw Kuzi link up with Ovi in front and a beauty play and Ovi's second goal. Uh, and that was a win. Vancouver couldn't figure it out, and and Gabby unfortunately doesn't get number six hundred. There were some bad things about this, uh, other than the middle frame and like you know some some basically an overall collapse in the second period. Uh, there were some injury woes that we had. Uh, Brown left early with an injury, and he's going to be out long term. Brutal for him. You know, I wonder if we may see Milano in the lineup. No, I mean, not not of recent, but uh, he's he's playing in Hershey. I'm sure he needs a conditioning stint to prove himself down there. If he can light it up, I think he'd make a compelling case, uh, especially if we continue to have some injuries or if players who are with the club right now, like the young ones, like Protoss and Snively, do not end up working out. Unfortunately, Kuzi also took a high stick penalty, which was very retaliatory. He's obviously frustrated early in the game. Um, I don't think he meant to like hit the player with his stick in the face, but it happened. I think he was trying. He was more or less trying to go for a cross check that went pretty horribly wrong, and he was called on the ice for that and ended up getting a one-game suspension. Um, which resulted in Malenstein being called up for the Ottawa game, which happened on Thursday. This was a, a really, really good start. <laughs> in typical Caps fashion, we start out hot and, you know, well, we play about one period at most, and it gets us to a point where we've got a pretty good lead, and then we watch it evaporate, I guess. At least that's what happened in this one. Strong start again by the Caps on some bad luck for the Sens. Had them down two men about six minutes in. The Caps scored on a five on three via Johansson feed to, to, to Oshbabe for a snipe. I mean, what a play. Uh, in this play, Johansson's really playing puck taxi. Takes it wide, takes it behind the net, and then just links up with TJ Oshie, who is just wide open, uh, who one-times it, one knee down. Top cheese, far corner, beauty. Then with about 30 seconds left on the single man advantage, Orlov feeds Mantha, fakes the shot, drifts it over to Mantha for his third goal of the season, leaving the Caps perfect in the power play in the game. Again, this is like in the first six minutes, we've got a two-man advantage. We score on every man advantage. It's great. Uh, riding high for sure. And that's that's really the highlight of the period. The Caps dominated. They got up early. And then unfortunately, they took the rest of the game off. The second period was a bit of a slog. You know, I mean, Ottawa is a, is a team that has some pests. They've got speed. They can score. Uh, definitely a decent power play. We definitely don't want to get into that revolving door of the penalty box. And unfortunately, in this game, we did. Second period was a bit of a slog, like I said, uh, until a couple penalties resulted on a four-on-three power play goal on a nice passing play and uh, kind of a fluttering shot by Batherson that took – that was in close on Kemper, but went far side. Um, Oshi took that penalty. It was a weird, again, it was like four on four. Oshi takes a penalty, four on three, goal. Then immediately after, Oshi takes another penalty right after the goal for a slash on Giroux. It resulted in an equalizer goal again by Batherson. That's a rebound goal. Uh, not exactly discipline play. Let's, let's call it that at, at best. 
the caps were unable to clear and it was immediately washed out. Uh, and then, sorry, at uh, on five on five, the caps were unable to clear uh, and a shot comes in for a high tip uh, to Norris, who was, and that goal was immediately washed out for a high stick. So we got lucky on that. Um, caps continue and, you know, the Senators also took some penalties as well. So it really like just messed up lines. The pace of the game was all screwy. It was physical, obviously getting chippy in that middle frame. Uh, and the caps, unfortunately, were just unable to stay out of the box and, and walk away from it. Um, you know, say what you will about some of the calls, whether they were ticky tacky or not. Uh, and it ended up being a special team shootout in the second. And then, after that, just a complete shit show. Changes on each side, and then out of nowhere, uh, John Carlson gets leveled, and McMichael comes in. McMichael comes in and, and drops the gloves in defense of his, his blue liner and actually kind of gets the upper hand. It was mostly a shoving match. I don't think many punches were thrown. Definitely not any landed, um, but both of those players got five for fighting. So, again, total shit show of a period unreal um the old-fashioned hockey guys like craig lachlan loved it i thought it was interesting but man it, it you could tell when the caps were starting to get into this that the um the the sins were just not really respecting the caps physicality at all they were pushing them around taking liberties I think there's a lot of talking about how, like, well, if Wilson was in the lineup, you know, we wouldn't have that. He's one guy uh, in a huge presence, but I think the big thing was the, the Caps were not uh, initiating the contact, right? They were being the nail, not the hammer. It's always better to be the hammer. They were getting out skated. They were getting out hit. Uh, a ton of body checking prowess is through your feet and your legs. You have to be able to move your feet. You have to be, uh, you know, fearless in that aspect as well. So when you stop moving your feet, it's really easy for the other team to take advantage of you physically. The third started physical as well, uh, but the Sins get the go-ahead goal. You know, at this point, it's tied 2-2. Uh, the Sins end up getting the go-ahead goal on just like a, I, this, this play gave me a fucking tumor, guys. I don't, I don't understand what the hell happened. It was just a terrible puck retrieval, I think, by Jensen. And then his defensive partner, both defensemen go below the goal line for, I I don't know why. Uh, we get beat to the puck. Both defensemen go below, below the goal line. And then the third man in uh, does not pick up his man. And the Sens find a guy wide open. Uh, right in the uh, Pinto, right wide open, right in the slot area. And he obviously buries is probably like one of the easiest goals of his entire career. Nobody even touched him um, in his young career. Cause he's, he's like a rookie. So embarrassing. Um, just that, that play there at that point, I think that everyone knew that this was going to be a shit. Like it's over. They, the, the caps didn't do much after that. They got pushed around and, um, like I had said, throughout the game, starting in the second, uh, the Caps were running in quicksand, it seemed, uh, through the neutral zone, pass it. Like, you know, our breakout wasn't terrible. Once we hit our own blue line, it, it immediately turned to shit. I don't know what was going on. Maybe we were being rushed. The Senators were doing a good job forechecking. They were they were playing their game. I definitely think the, the Senators are a very beatable team by this Caps team, but man, where the Caps disjointed into the second. Um, I don't know if it's a combination of 
taking your foot off the gas up two goals. Hey, we can, we can do this. And you know, it's easy sailing from, for the next two periods. But as we all know, that's not how the NHL works. It's super competitive. And I think the senators played their game, right? They were at home. Uh, it should have been the caps taking the physicality to them, uh, which we did right off the bat, but then stopped. And then the tables turned quickly and we started getting pushed around. Uh, from the second and third period, the only player doing anything good was Kemper. Uh, over, I think he was damn near 40 saves he made. The, the guy was on fire, standing on his head, had a crazy heel of his stick paddle save um, on a on a uh, shot that was sure to go in. The Caps like mustered up some offense. Marcus Johansson got stuffed on another unreal save by uh, Anton Forsberg. You know, nothing could go right after the first period. You know, this is uh this is definitely one of those games too. So we're down Brown, we're down Kuznetsov. Obviously our long-term injuries are there. So we're relying a lot on our young depth in this game. Um so I do have to it begs the question, you know, how ready are our young guys? And I think that in this is one one game sample size, so it's not the season by any means, but I think that, you know, the Caps played down pretty well to the Ottawa Senators. And I think that it's pretty apparent that our young guys just aren't ready for for that yet. Now, I, I mean, it's clear that there's no replacement for Kuznetsov in this system. I don't think there's a clear replacement for Kuznetsov in the majority of the NHL. But I, other than the McMichael fight... Snively, Protoss, they were all ghosts. Protoss had a, a really good opportunity to tip one in. Far side, he was wide open, big body. Of course, that's a tough play to to pull off. But, you know, you'd love to see a guy who has NHL experience in that position. I, I bet he buries that. Again, I'm not trying to pick him apart. I'm not trying to pick the young guys apart. But at the same time, uh, I see a lot of buzz about how, like, the young guys are, are, are going to be able to carry the team on their shoulder or they're going to be like the saviors of the Washington Capitals. I definitely don't think it's there right now. Um, and Hey, and again, you know, maybe they're right. Maybe they need more reps in the NHL to like get comfortable. Obviously they're going to need that at some point, but as of right now here today, I, I don't have faith that, that these young guys can, can take it and, and run with it. So that's why we brought in Brown. That's why we brought in um, the proven NHL talent. One thing that I will say is it really doesn't fucking matter what I think because ultimately these guys are going to get reps and if the team is going to be successful, they're going to need to have to figure it out like immediately starting today. I would say John Carlson was a little off on his passes to Ovi all night. Now, I don't know if that's Ovi being a diva. Some of the passes looked okay. They're a little behind him uh, to elevate the puck though on a one-timer. Ovechkin typically likes that... Uh, that puck over towards his front foot. So a little bit in front of him, lead him a bit so that he can get the loft on the puck. Uh, that is, uh, you know, that's just physics. Um, it's much like, you know, moving uh, your golf ball up if you're driving a ball. Um, but yeah, if, if you have the puck a little forward in your stance, it's easier to go top shelf. Uh, and, and you could tell some of the shots, the one-timers especially from Ovechkin were, you know, along the ice, six six inches to a foot off of it, and I think that uh, that Carlson uh, maybe needs to tighten up the passing a little bit there and give him a little cleaner the way that Ovi likes. 
Uh, sorry, but that's just that's your lot in life when you're playing on a team with Alexander Ovechkin, who wants to be fed on that on that left circle. Overall, though, the defense was suspect. I mean, the I, I spent like three episodes just breaking my arm, jerking the defense off, saying like, I think we're good. I mean, I'm glad that we got the, this help up front. Um, that's really all we needed. I think that our defense is good for at least this year. But, man, they have really just had a rough start to the season. Everyone, top to bottom. Um, so I, th- I don't know if that's – Lavi, I don't know if that's the system. I really can't think it is. I, 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 I think that it's more just the D needs to figure it out. They're the ones that are more stable. They're, they didn't have a lot of change through up the lineup. They've got one new guy in Gustafson, but um, we'll see if they can if they can figure it out. Obviously, I think that that's the number one pressing issue for the Washington Capitals. It's not the young guys up front. It's not that we need to solidify from the from the net out. So throughout uh, these games. I think it's five now. Um, the Washington Capitals net minding has been good. I, I will say not stellar, not you know stealing games, but good enough for us to win. The defense, on the other hand, has hung our attendees out to dry a couple times on some really bad plays. The third go-ahead goal of the Senators game being a prime example. I don't know what the fuck that was. Um, and just just inconsistent play. So... Let's see if we can that's that's one one of the things I'd like to see the caps tighten up this next week and uh we'll we'll see how it goes from there. You know, once the I feel like once the team's feeling good about their blue line and their tending, the rest will fall into place. So, next week I'll be covering the Saturday game. I'll be out of town so I'm recording this episode early. The uh, Saturday on October 22nd, uh, 7 p.m. versus LA. Then Monday, October 24th at 7 p.m., we're in New Jersey. Then it starts a three-game home or three-game road trip. Thursday, October 27th, 8.30 p.m. in Dallas. And then the 29th at 8 p.m., which is Saturday, in Nashville. I already said we'd go one and two this week. So I'm expecting a loss against L.A. And then, you know, we can cry about it and then restart the week on Monday uh head full of steam. I think we're going to go 2 and 1 in the next 3 games, the new the 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 um the road trip. So, I think that we probably take an L to Vitek and the Devils. I don't think you can sleep on the Devils. I got Andre Pilat. He's on a heater. Uh I think that they're underrated. But I think that we go in and we dust Dallas and Nashville. And those are two games that if we can win back to back and kick their ass and, you know, have really strong showing 60 minute games. That's going to be a huge boost for the boys. And that's what I'm really looking for. Maybe we can turn this ship around. October and November are supposedly the toughest months of the season, folks. So let's not smash the panic button yet. It's truly a trial by fire these first couple of months. But I'd rather, like I said previous, take our lumps now, learn from them, and then have it have without having to battle it out too hard down the stretch. By the time that we're hitting the stretch, we're comfortable with our lineup, you know, knock on wood, no crazy injuries, and we can go into the playoffs riding high. Ideally, I think that's how the Washington Capitals go into the playoffs and get past the first round this year. (laughs) But 
it's hockey. Who the hell knows? We might look back on this and say, Hey, remember those great times when we were like only three and two. Now we're like, you know, 40 and, and 20 or something. Good God. I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think it will, but that's ideally how I see it. Again, these things change, but that's, you heard it here first. And again, I've never been wrong, but that'll be it for today's episode. Caps fans, Tune in on Thursday. We have the tip of the iceberg boys on. They're doing big things in Pittsburgh. Uh, you'll probably want to hear about it, even though it is the Penguins. They're really, they're really great guys, and the interview is awesome. So we'll see you on Thursday. Have a great week. Hockey Troll signing off. Hey, Caps fans. Thanks for tuning in to the official Caps Troll podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL. Follow me, the Hockey Troll, at Hockey Trolling on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And follow the show's handle, at Caps Chirp, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Special thanks to the Hockey Podcast Network, at HockeyPodNet on social, and TheHockeyPodcastNetwork.com. The Hockey Podcast Network. Every team, everywhere. Check them out, or we're not friends anymore.